Hello, and welcome to Shattered Lives, an informed, conversational, cutting-edge radio show in touch with today's issues that impact the lives of crime victims, addressing the aftermath of crime, forging a path for hope, building awareness, and empowering listeners for the future. This is Donna Argor, a.k.a. Lady Justice, your host, with my co-host Delilah Jones, president of ImaginePublicity.com, welcoming you to today's show and to our library of weekly archive shows. It is our goal to make a difference. So good uh, good Saturday morning, everyone, um, uh, and welcome to Shattered Lives. We are here um, waiting on our guests. Uh, we have a special show today with regard to the uh, Airline Ambassadors International, which is a, um, a special uh, 501c3 um, organization specializing in assisting people in the travel industry. And um, we are going to be focusing our discussion, um, although they do several things, on the special program with regard to human trafficking, being able to recognize um, perhaps children that are being flown on air airlines that may may be at risk in trouble, uh, uh, the training and the um, and the inroads that they have made so far. Uh, in addition to um, uh, one of their other programs, the human humanitarian program, and uh, we are waiting on Nancy Rivard and Martine Longchamp. Um, so good morning, Delilah. Good morning. Um, this is, had promised to be such a very good and informative show, and I know that you, oh, here, we have someone calling. Yeah, Hello. Let me tell you, Welcome. I have such trouble connecting, and I'm so glad to be here. This is Nancy Rivard. Hi, Hi Nancy. Nancy. We're happy to have you. Great. Yeah, we just did the intro to the show, and we just said that we were waiting on you, so we're glad, so glad you made the connection. Is everything yeah. fine? It's okay, but I can't use my phone, and I have to use my mother's landline. I'm inside, so kind of interrupts her day, but it's fine. I, I'm fine. I was in San Diego. I thought I could call, and I couldn't reach you guys, so I'm so happy to be here. Well, we're we're glad you did make the connection, and um, we are, are waiting on Martine to call in as well, hopefully. Okay. I did speak with her uh, yesterday and had a nice chat. So anyway, we're hoping technology will catch up so that she can join in. Um, so um, I, I just did a little introduction with regard to the organization, but can you can you kindly give us a bit of background information and how this began and, and what is your role? And um, we're going to focus a majority of the hour on human trafficking. Okay. Let me give you a little right. background. Um, okay. I uh, was – in management with American Airlines. And when my father died suddenly at only 54 years old, I went back to flying as a flight attendant to embark on a deep search for meaning that, that took seven years. I went all over the world, and I saw so many children that needed a lot. And um, at the end of the seven years, I, I gave away most of my possessions. American had opened a base in Hawaii, and I uh, asked God deeply how I could make a difference in the world. 
And I had seen through my travels that there are so many children, especially in the developing world, that have so little physically. And there are so many people in the developed world that want to make a difference and simply don't know how. And I knew that they, if they had the opportunity of bringing love into action, of helping these children, it would do two things. It would both help the children around the world that needed physical items like food, water, medical supplies, place to lay their heads at night, and it would help the traveler have an experience that would be life-changing. So I had uh, I got this idea of airline ambassadors, and I wrote to American Airlines, and um, no one was interested in any of my ideas. And um, I just thought, oh, then I went to the Rio Earth Summit in 1992, where many people were gathered that were looking at how to make a better world. So I moved to New York, and Gorbachev, who I'd met in my spiritual search days, invited me to... Uh, bring some airline ambassadors, because he'd heard me talk about it, to Kyoto, where he was founding the Green Cross. And I was so excited, and I told all the flight attendants, you must come to this gathering of world leaders. We can volunteer our time, but it's going to be so enlightening. No response. They rolled their eyes and kept talking about shopping. And then (laughs) (laughs) then I, I wrote to the airlines, nothing. So I was in my apartment, and I said, dear God, how am I going to make a difference? And my inner voice said, I thought no one's interested in my ideas. And the inner voice said, stop talking about it and start doing it. So that was 1993, and I made the decision to take one real action a month. So I thought, okay, Mr. Gorbachev, I'll come. I'm the only airline ambassador. That was 1993. It was amazing. And the next month, I volunteered. I got two flight attendants to go with me. The Bosnian War was on, and we delivered hotel amenities to uh, that we had gathered from our layover hotels, like soap, shampoos, lotions, to the refugee women who had lost their husbands in in Bosnia, and they, they were received like gold. It was wow. very powerful. Only three of us went. And then the mm-hmm. next month, I because remember I made a promise I'd do one thing a month. So I right. I uh, traveled to Colombia to return a little girl that had been um, had received heart surgery in the United States in New York, and it was so rewarding. And the flight attendants on the way down said, "What are you doing?" And I said, "Oh, I have this idea that we as flight attendants can inspire." people to travel and make a difference by using our privileges to help others. And they said, put me on your list, put me on your list. So within within um, a year, I had 500 people on the list, and we ended up um, founding Airline Ambassadors officially as a nonprofit organization. That was 1996. Wow. And we had two programs. We escorted children that, that, uh, for medical care not available in their home country. And then we had, every month, we coordinated humanitarian missions. And we did a lot. I mean, we've escorted 3,000 children, delivered 47 airplanes full of aid, and on over 600 humanitarian missions, hand-delivered aid to children in orphanages and remote communities. And we'd seen a lot of, of vulnerable children. I mean, in Haiti, we got 17 airplanes into Haiti um, after the earthquake, and the women kept trying to give me their children to, 
I just still didn't know about human trafficking. Oh, oh, uh, oh and well, yes, I had just learned earlier in 2009 on a mission to Cambodia. That's when I first learned about human trafficking with our team. Mm-hmm. We saved a little girl in Cambodia who had been abandoned by her mother. She was trying to draw clothes on her own body with a red mark. Oh, I read about her, yes. Mm-hmm. Yes, and we gave her the name Somnang, which means lucky. Because when, when we got her to the doctor, he said, it's a good thing you got her here before the ravages of malnutrition would have taken their toll on this little thing. She either would have been stolen by somebody else or, or it's just good you got her to us. And we got her into a wonderful safe house in Cambodia. Well, anyway, on that trip, we learned about human trafficking, and we thought, we have got to get involved, because afterwards we went to Thailand and saw the night markets, where the families are actually bringing their young girls to uh, sell them and to make money for the family by with, for sex. And I went, we have got to get involved in this. Mm-hmm. Uh, so on our next mission, this is 2009, right before the Haiti earthquake, uh, we all talked about the issue. There were 12 of us on the trip to the Dominican Republic. And we delivered orphan uh, gifts to the orphans like we normally do, school supplies, hygiene kits. But we talked about the issue of human trafficking and promised each other to be aware on flights out. Amazingly, on two of the flights out of the Dominican Republic and two more that month, that small team of 12 people correctly identified trafficking on four airlines. And um, the first tip that we gave led to the bust of a pornography ring, saving 86 children. And I knew as a flight attendant that we have infrastructure to train our staff. And since airline people are in the, in the air all the time, and we, as we learn, many, many Traffickers use the speed and convenience of air travel as well as all forms of transportation. But the training of flight crew could be an innovation um, in reporting that could be very valuable to law enforcement and could save lives, like we had demonstrated. Well, again, no one, no one was interested. <laughs> I told the airlines no one was interested. So I went to Congressman Smith, who had written the first legislation in the United States on this issue. And he's, is he from New York? He's from New Jersey, Trafficking from Victims Jersey. Protection Act, the year 2000. He was the first author. And mm-hmm. and I said, can you help me reach out to airlines? And we, uh, we did do a uh, first briefing in 2010. And there was some movement, but not much. American issued a bulletin and and Delta did sign the ECPAT Code of Conduct, which is a ECPAT was one of the first um, NGOs, non-governmental organizations, founded after the issue of human trafficking became public. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, they have a code of conduct where a company can adopt it, basically saying they, they're going to take a stand on this issue. So Delta signed. But again, no one was training in emergency procedure training, not one airline. So we worked with Homeland Security and Customs Border Protection and um, Department of Transportation to develop the first industry-specific training incorporating the voices of survivors. Now, two of our survivor trainers, three now, are uh, actually 
flight attendants uh, that have were formerly survivors of human trafficking. They're very riveting. All of the survivors are riveting. So that's why our training really comes alive for people. And yeah, unfortunately, one of those time. people were going to be on the show, but I guess she couldn't make it today. Yeah, um, yeah Donna that, had to fly that, today. That's right. I oh, talked to her yesterday. Yes, uh-huh. she was so sorry. That would have been a nice perspective to have. Although maybe we could have her at some other point. Yeah, it, this is just a fascinating chronology of how how you built that, and I think it's great. Are there um, are there particular aspects of the training itself that, like, there is? Uh, can you can you tell us a little bit about the nitty gritty of how the training? got involved yeah. in what the training involves, and mm-hmm. is there a component for regular, ordinary passengers, like I'm going to, you know, Charlotte Douglas Airport in September, and, you know, what Absolutely. should I be aware of as well? And I'm sort of exactly. upset about the uh, about another aspect uh, of going through there, but I was just wondering if you could also in your story give us some some practical tips in terms of what it is that they're looking for and what we should be doing too. Exactly, because it's not only flight attendants, it's anyone that travels frequently or anyone even in their home communities can be alert to these indicators. So basically our training consists, our first one was eight hours long, standing remotely, but we realized we could condense it into an hour basically where more, since people are volunteering to come, it, it's easier to give across the information. It's divided into three sections. One's an overview and background on the issue, you know, about the laws and what, how broad the issue is. It's said that trafficking is anywhere from 21 million, according to the ILO, International Labor Organization, to 45.8 million victims at the Global Slavery Index. There's, it's huge. And according to ILO, again, it's generating $150 billion a year. So we give the overview. And then we then the survivor speaks about how traffickers work, how they recruit them on the Internet, which is really growing right now, and how they, they lure in these victims through force, fraud, or coercion. And we have some of our... our uh, Survivors were uh, abducted, like Petra was abducted from a train station. Um, some were so forced. Some were lured by fraud, like Marcella Loiza, another one of our trainers, answered an ad to be a dancer in Japan, and she was trafficked by the Japanese mafia. It was fraud, trafficked by the Japanese mafia for two years. And Donna, the one that I wanted to speak to you today, who's now a flight attendant, was this coercion that ha- that kept her under the control of the traffickers. It was threats to her children and her family. She was traded for a case of AK-47s. It's all linked to weapons and terrorism and arms sales and uh, drugs and drug trafficking. Anyway. So we give an overview. And then in the last section, we talk about the exact indicators to look for, which is what anyone in any community can be aware of. And that's, um, well, on an airplane, children and who they're traveling with, Mm -hmm. uh, young women or men traveling alone. And because we have time with the passengers, we can ask a few more questions 
um, in a natural way, like, uh, are you? You're going to get a job. You're going to be a model. That's great. Who's going to pick you up? And what's the agency? And things like that that lead you to understand whether this could possibly be a trap for this person or not. They might have bruises. They might have branding. Uh, many of the traffickers, especially the gangs, brand their victims with tattoos. Some are barcodes. Some are um, names, a man's name, or daddy is a name that many of the traffickers or pimps, is a slang word, have their girls, if it's sex trafficking, call them daddy. And so not all tattoos are are indicators, because there's so many people with tattoos nowadays, but the barcodes or the the man's name is an indicator. Um, The bruises, they're frightened, ashamed, or nervous. Yeah. They have inconsistent stories. One time you ask them this, and another time it's different. Um, appear drugged, frightened, ashamed, or nervous on an airplane. And Nancy, are they always sitting right? I mean, call me daddy. This guy is sitting right next to the the woman or, or the little girl that's being trafficked or the boy, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. So you can't yeah. necessarily like get her. Alone, unless she goes to the to the bathroom or something, right? Correct, correct. We've had two cases, three cases now, where somebody um, the trafficker goes with them to the bathroom. And in a case you might have read about with Shalia Frederick last February, yes. um, Shalia had uh, seen a little girl that she felt was under the control of the man she was sitting next to, it, next to, and kind of motioned to her that to get in the bathroom and she left a notepad in the bathroom and she whispered in the girl's ear if if you need help write it on the note and the trafficker went right up there tried to go in the bathroom with her and, and it was a uh, male a male that was a male with her then we had wow. yeah, and it turns out it was she wrote help and then in another situation there was a man that got on with a little girl going to Miami Costa Rica and uh the girl, the girl said, this just doesn't feel right. And she was a first-class purser, so she brought back the cheesecake from first class to this little girl, and the man wouldn't let her, the little girl take it. He answered for her, which is another thing that traffickers do. Mm-hmm. They'll take control of the person. So she said, I'm going to watch the situation. And the little girl got up to go to the bathroom. She said, That's my, there's my chance to talk to her and walk back. And the man went in, tried to go with her into the bathroom. And she said, sir, you can't go in the bathroom with her. The girl was about nine. And um, the man said, I'll do what I want. She uh, she belongs to me. Um, and he put his foot in the in the door so she couldn't close it. And she was just sitting in there shaking. And the flight attendant did call. And sure enough, she saved the girl from a life of sexual exploitation. Wow. Well, uh, this, this is just fascinating. Let me let me tell you that I I just learned that Martine was calling in. Uh, oh, excellent. So want, but but I think her call dropped off uh, temporarily, so I think she's okay. trying to call back in. But I want to let our audience know that maybe um, since we're we're like halfway almost uh, you know halfway through the show, we'll we'll save. Her part or her aspect for like maybe the the last 
15 minutes or so, but we definitely want to welcome her on when, when she calls back in, okay, because she is a very valuable part of your program. So when Martine calls back in, and we'll be ready to welcome her in. So just want to say thank you, thank you so much. I know sometimes it's hard to get all of these guests coordinated at the same time. Um, okay, so in the meantime, when she calls back in, um, I will I will uh, be aware of that, and we can just welcome her in. And okay. so you can continue right now, Nancy. But well, let me you know, just I tell have... you a little background on Martine. Martine, sure, um, sure, go ahead. Martine is a director of our humanitarian missions program. Yeah. She's also a trainer for airline ambassadors. And she's done escorts, so she's done all three of our programs. So I'm so happy that she was able to join us today. Yeah, that's great. So escorting children, whether it be like just because they're a certain age or they, they have a well, medical, medical care or needed in the United States. That's one of our major programs. We escort oh. them to the United States for medical care and then home again. Wow, that's wonderful. Well, uh-huh. well we do look forward to her calling back in so she can yes. tell that aspect. But, you know, these... You know the so the little girl with the cheesecake. So what again? Um, yes. What what happened with that? Well, um, the the flight attendant when the man tried to put his foot in the bathroom door knew something was wrong, and he said, "I own her. I'll do what I want." Um, oh. So he, they called it in, and the, the customs agents in Costa Rica did tell her that she had saved the little girl from a life of sexual exploitation, which was amazing. And then Donna, listen to this, Donna was on uh recently, in the last couple of months, and the little boy at the very back of the flight looked very sick. He was perspiring, and I think they were coming from Cuba into the United States. There was a man and a woman with him, and and she said, oh, he looks so sick, and the parents didn't seem very concerned. And she asked the one parent what his name was, and he said, Ralph, and the other one said, Bobby, they had different names. And they had different ages, both parents. It appeared not to be the parents. Plus, they didn't care about him. The, the child was getting sicker and sicker, and they said, she said, I'm going to have to call the paramedics to meet the flight. And they said, no, no, he's fine, he's fine, he's going to be fine, he's just a little sick. And it's what she thinks is that they were trafficking him as a drug mule. They'd stuffed his body with, I don't know if it was cocaine or something, but he was very, very sick. So she called it in, and sure enough, uh, the pilots called the uh, customs, and the the group was met, and when she got off the plane, they they were being detained, and they said, yes, I think they're sending the child to the hospital. And so then the next time she came in, the next day, she was on a flight, she saw the same customs agent. She said, what happened with that little boy? And he said, I'm not allowed to tell you the details, but I can tell you this. Good call. Oh, my God. <laughs> they were drug trafficking the little tiny kid. Oh, <laughs> you know, I don't know. What what are, what is the, the, the procedure? I mean, in the, and this is just a little component of it, but, you know, your your one opportunity is that, if they if they go to the restroom because there's almost no other opportunity we don't really serve meals anymore right. um, that kind of thing to break away from the passengers even if you are a biological parent is it true that you are whether it's a, a mother or a father you're not allowed to go into the restroom with the child is that right 
Well, no, no, there's no hard and fast rule on that. If you're the parent and there's a little tiny child that's afraid, we do let that happen. I mean, but it's it's all about trusting your gut. Yeah, it's just about trusting it. And we have the opportunity to talk to passengers. One of our other flight attendants saw she was flying the daily flight to Moscow to Chicago. And she noticed there were young girls, four to five young girls on every single flight, real pretty. And they were all excited. And she talked to them on the jump seat through a translator because she didn't speak Russian. And they said they were coming to New York to... uh, to be models and work on television. But since they didn't speak English, she knew that they weren't going to be used on television. And she said, oh, how are you getting into New York? Well, our flight's going to Chicago. And they said, oh, we take a bus ticket. So they had all the paperwork every single time, four to five girls. And she knew that they were, and they were, being trafficked into the sex trade. They had been recruited by a recruiter over there in Ukraine or from Moscow. And they were getting on the bus, and the trafficker was covering his tracks or her tracks by not um, not being with them in that case. But her call to the hotline uh, it resulted in an undercover customs agent being on those flights to stem the flow of trafficking out of Moscow. So, again, it's the alertness. And anyone in the community that travels a lot, if you see something unusual, report it. Yeah. Well, well, Nancy, I just want to ask a quick question here. Um, once, once trafficking is spotted, and we know the victim, and, and and we can get them away from the trafficker, what is the victim follow up? Does your nonprofit do that? Do they place the victim somewhere, or do they give them resources? What's done with the victim after everything is done? Right. Well, it depends where where they are. Um, we are not. We do not give victim services right now. Uh, although many of our trafficking survivors, like Donna, like Shamir, have started homes for to help victims. Donna's is Women's at the Well Transition Center, and um, and Shamir's is Catherine's Cottage. So they help counsel, but we don't give the victim services. But let me tell you another quick interesting thing I've learned recently is that we kept getting calls. We had a call last spring from flight attendants who said there were four unaccompanied minors on their flight, one of whom was appeared sick, and they, through conversation with them, they found out that all four girls said that their mothers had sold them and that they didn't know where they were going. And uh, upon re- the flight attendants turned it in, but upon research, what we found is 57,000 children came across the United States border last year, and is being. Um, and what happens is they're picked up by Department of Homeland Security. They're put in a shelter. The shelter can only keep them for 30 days. Then they're transferred to another shelter. Well, we knew that a lot of kids were coming across the border, and we're working with law enforcement to make sure that's in the flight attendant paperwork if it's on the up and up, because I think Health and Human Services is moving them by airplane. But we had an issue last, last um, about in March where one of our flight attendant's daughters worked in a shelter in Florida, and she had met a young boy named Marlon, who she had uh, become friends with because they were both from Honduras. And Marlon's mother 
was afraid that he was going to be recruited by gangs in, in Honduras, so she answered a Facebook ad and paid $2,000 to have him smuggled into the United States so he could get free social services. And she thought she was keeping him safe from the gangs in Honduras. Well, um, Marlon was in the shelter. Sure enough, he got trafficked across the border and picked up by DHS. He was put in a shelter. That's where they got to know each other. Well, later he was transferred to Baltimore, and that shelter can only keep him 30 days. They're frantically looking for a place to place him. The smuggler, who had a sexual exploitation record in Honduras, had set himself up as a foster parent or as a guardian Oh my God. Then to receive one fifteen hundred to two thousand a month per child, and he had been pl- he Marlon was placed with the trafficker. The trafficker put him under debt bondage and started exploiting him. Marlon on Facebook reaches out to this girl he had met. She's flying up to to meet him, and uh, we saved Marlon and we got Marlon away from his trafficker. And now we're bringing that attention to the government about really being careful about who's set up as a guardian. Yeah, oh, they're always working the angles here. And how how, um, how many um, different foster? I mean, you say it's only there. There are eighty days. different shelters in the United States. Eighty. Right. But they receive five hundred million dollars from Congress. What? Can they pass them on every thirty days? I mean, to a different yes. one, and that's how it goes. That's what I've just learned. Yes. From state I just to recently state, learned or. That. Yeah. Yeah. In that case, it was. I don't know all the details. Uh, we're. I'm partnering with uh, Greg Bristol from uh, Human Trafficking Investigations and Training. He's former FBI. To do mm-hmm. training, we want to co-train at the 80 shelters in the United States to train the shelters about the issue of human trafficking and how, and just be careful about where they're putting the children because they got a huge amount of money money from Congress to manage this problem. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, something else. Now, the other thing is, uh, my husband saw trafficking in the Philadelphia airport. He's sitting across from a couple, that big guy, and he, he's looking down, but he's, he hears him say to the girl next to him, you don't say a word. You get on in front of me. We don't want anyone asking any questions. I'm going to be right behind you. Just know I'm watching you. Don't Ooh. say anything. So it was clear that he was in in control of her. And Dave, it really looked like a trafficking situation. But Dave wasn't going on that flight, so he snapped a picture. Well, law enforcement does not have the capability to receive pictures, although that's vital information at this time. So we ended up developing an app, which is free on Google and iTunes, Tip line app, and anyone that's traveling can download that. When you get this is you'll get the version that's for the public. Once you get trained, you get a licensed version that automatically geolocates you when you're turning in a tip or something that looks unusual, and it goes in the own in the language of the country of wherever you are to local law enforcement. It's amazing, a tool. So it translates to whatever. Language and and, and mm-hmm. goes to local law enforcement that can follow up because the main thing we need Joe Public to do everybody out there to be aware of the issue and to be willing to get involved by sharing if something doesn't look right. You might be wrong, but your action could save a life. Right. So you have to set up an account and and what is it again? Just tip 
tip, uh, T-I-P, like trafficking yep. in persons, line, yep. line. app. Yep. And then just go tip line, and you'll find it on Google or iTunes. They're both free. Okay. Oh, that's wonderful. Mm-hmm. Um, and so do, do you do you know ultimately what happened with with that situation in Philadelphia? He got he got moved over to uh, he's in Texas in a shelter now. He got moved to another shelter. He was picked up. We saved him actually. The girl, the little girl that flew up, put him in a hotel room and went to the trafficker's house to pick him up, which is extremely dangerous. Mm-hmm. But she, um, but he's in Texas. And the wonderful part is that the the family who's from Honduras wants to adopt him now, and they're in touch with his with his mother. So. Oh wow! Well, it kind of come, this story comes full circle. And this is this is great. Um, yeah. I'm so very impressed, and you should be very very proud of yourself. And as well as, didn't is in this organization have like six thousand members? I mean, in in all of your different programs, is that right? Yes, 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 yes. Actually, we have more than that on the mailing list. Ten thousand on the mailing list, and. Uh, and so, yes, we uh, people, we send out a monthly newsletter, and we invite anyone to join Airline Ambassadors because our programs, our humanitarian missions monthly, our human trafficking po- programs, we're always doing a lot of very exciting things. This month we have a mission to South Africa and to Haiti that Martine is leading, Haiti Art Day, and the Philippines. Uh, not the Philippines, but Peru. We have a relief mission to the Peru. Those are the three we have this month alone. So anyone that's in the public can join Airline Ambassadors as a member and travel to make a difference. Okay, so it's not specific to one airline if you're an employee. It can be, can be any airline or anyone in the public? Anyone in the public. Can be an we began as airline personnel using the overhead bins and the, and the space to help children, but we've expanded to members of all professions and all ages. We have kids, we have a lot of youth missions, we have doctors, we have a dental mission coming up in the Philippines. We have many different types of, of, of opportunities to travel and make a difference. And if they want to give up their time in order to I mean, how does that work? Like, I know that at work, if there's somebody that's terminally ill and they need sick time, you can give them your time. Is it similar to that kind of a situation? Um, no. What do you mean? No. In in terms of being able to, um, vol- aren't you, don't you have to to um, donate donate your your time? Um, Oh, no, no, you have an option. Like if you're going to go on vacation anyway and take a cruise or go on yeah. a tour, it's an okay. option to do a vacation. Many of our trips are short-term because we, are, we started as airline people and we don't have that much time off. But okay. some are longer term. In Nepal, we have a, a program in Nepal that stayed for two weeks at the orphanage, and we just built, or it's going to be dedicated in September, a whole guest cottage, Happy Shepherd's Cottage, and we're dedicating it in September, and you go on those missions for two weeks, but usually they're about a week, and like the one coming up to South Africa also has a safari attached to it that you could go on afterwards, so you have opportunity to help children directly, and then sometimes there's another tour type opportunity with it. Uh, this sounds yeah. great. So, in that you, so you have 
you know, from one person making these inquiries and kept being denied and turned down, what what have you built in terms of your infrastructure? And do you? It looks like you know you you do you know you do a lot of marketing. What is it that you, what your goals are, short term and long term goals for the future? All right. Well, we what we have. I mean, we've been able to really accomplish miracles because we're operating at five percent overhead, basically, and because so many people contribute so very generously. So right now we have the three major programs. We have ahead of the uh, escort medical escort program, which is Margaret Whitehead in Atlanta. We have the head of the human trafficking program, a uh, human uh, humanitarian mission program, which is Martine. She's in. Uh, in Florida, and then we have Andrea Hobart, who's head of the Human Trafficking Program. And under that, we have 28 trainers of human trafficking, and we we just gave a, a trainings all over Jamaica, for example. We've got Cartagena coming up in Colombia in July 21st. We're going all over Malaysia in August, so we've got lots of L.A. should happen soon, and hopefully South Carolina, Charlotte will happen soon. So we've got lots of and then we have oh, about great. six mission leaders. So those that's how the infrastructure goes. Yeah, right, so I anyone see. can be can get involved on in any of our programs, which we would love. Yeah, and we're doing a big fundraiser in New York, a benefit at the Organization of American States um, on September 28th, which you can find on our website. And we would love new people to come and learn because some of our trafficking survivors will be speaking there, and it's very, very inspirational. Mm. And who do you who do you have that's that's doing that's doing the trainings? I know you said some people have uh, FBI background. Who who? Who is part of the people that do your trainings? Yes. Normally, our trainers are professional, basically they're flight attendants, and survivors. We always have one survivor, and sometimes those are also flight attendants, like Donna. But we have a survivor, and then we have two flight attendants. But now we're looking at doing more with us. We always have law enforcement there, like Department of Homeland Security or FBI, but now we are looking at doing more with law enforcement, too, in the future. Because we did that in Jamaica. The superintendent of police was here, and he was darling and riveting, and so it, was, it really worked out well. And so we're looking at doing that more in the future. Up until now, it's been professional airline personnel. But the truth is the airlines are not training their staff adequately, any of them so far. So we're kind of supplementing as a public service by providing these airport trainings and encouraging airports to become what we call Blue Heart Partners. Blue Heart is the international campaign against human trafficking. And in Chicago and San Francisco, for example, they put a video in all of the ID badging offices for everyone to see at the airport. And Atlanta and Houston want to do that, too, and we're hoping to expand that. Wow. This is yeah. this is yeah. incredible. Um, <laughs> also, the airline, I mean, the travel industry itself. I mean, I know maybe you know years ago we all used to go to our local travel agent to make reservations to to, to go somewhere, but and you know we're, you're you're getting involved more with with the hotel motel industry and all of that. Does it also? Um, and encompass that, or are you basically the ambassadors focusing we're, on, we're on the airline industry at, itself? We invite the airport hotels when we go to, to, we do airport trainings. We've done 
57 airport trainings, uh, and we do invite them. But we haven't specifically focused on that, but the hotel industry is key. Medical personnel are key. Students are key to be trained, all of them. But our focus, our unique focus, has been to air transport industry, and we haven't finished there yet. So that's basically what we're focusing on now. Right. And these are all 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 different um, major major and minor airlines, and have they been receptive to you? Um, somewhat. They need to be more. <laughs> it seems that uh, we you know we really don't get any financial support from air, airlines or anyone. All of our support basically comes from the public, from ordinary individuals becoming members that care. And so we've got to find a way to get. Um, we we're doing a lot of the work you know, basically as a public service. And so we've got to find a way. We we did our first human trafficking, 20 human trafficking trainings for no money. We didn't raise any money, and I realized Airline Ambassadors was dying on the vine, so I had to get – now we try to get a sponsor for $3,000 to provide a training at any – at any airport, and we could get your um, group to you guys to help us raise mm-hmm. awareness. If any church, Rotary Club, Seroptimus Club wants to help, we highlight them, let them speak. We highlight local um, uh, safe houses in every location. Oh, that's well. If we why don't you give some information in terms of how people can donate and right. or come and what's what's the uh, membership. To, to join because I know you have a newsletter as well and I've, I've got yes. that. So it so. actually, it, it, you, you can go, uh, join from www.airlineamb.org mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. It's, 50, it's $35 for an uh, airline-related person, 25 for a student, and $50 from a, for an ordinary person. Um, to become a member, and when you become a member, you get the monthly newsletter. You're eligible to go on all of our trips and participate in our activities. To get more involved, we would just love to have more members, so that would be great. Oh, that's that's great, Delilah. You, um, what do you have to say about all this? I know human trafficking is very close to your heart, and you've worked very closely with a a couple of people that we consider experts that we know. Wouldn't they be very? Uh, they're very excited about this, right? Uh, the inroads? exactly, and I, you know, the people that I've worked with and can continue to work with. One of the biggest issues is just what Nancy was talking about: is training. Um, you know, we we can do all the training and education and awareness in the world, but if the people aren't getting it and getting the proper message and getting the proper training, then, you know, the problem just continues. And some people become part of the problem um, yep. just, you know, with lack of tr- proper training from the right people. Um yep. I see this over and over again, whether it be in state government, which, you know, we find here in South Carolina, there's a lot of issues. There's a lot of issues with with our state government and the way that they are, um, you know, are set up to to train law enforcement. And, of course, you know, law enforcement thinks, well, we got, we're trained, you know, we're just going to go out and do this thing. Well, they really aren't. And, and so... Again, it we have two cases of pilots that won't even 
we have two cases of pilots that won't even follow their training because it's not right. emphasized in emergency procedure training, and the agents themselves aren't trained at all. So you're right. I couldn't agree more about the need for training. Yeah. Prevention. And, uh, That's prevention, if, yeah. If you need some expert trainers, give me a call later because I've got a couple up my sleeve that would, would do service to what you need very much so. Well, um, we're looking to provide... Uh, a training in South Carolina soon in Charlotte, so I definitely want to talk to you about that. Absolutely. So we're glad that we could be a conduit for this, for this Nancy. Um, well, one yeah, thing, if we have time, I would like for you yes. to just maybe briefly address is, because I know you're international, is all of these international mafias um, that are involved in trafficking. What are you seeing out there? Where is the... Where is the um, the worst of it, and what about the ones that are very, very quiet that maybe aren't on the radar? Have you have you had experience with any of that? Um, not so much, although we do know, like like Marcella was trafficked by the Japanese mafia. Donna was sold to a gang in Los Angeles. Uh, we do know more and more. I'm at Interpol meetings. I was just at the Commission on Crime Prevention in Vienna and learned more and more about organ trafficking that's happening daily. It's uh, always appalled. Oh, yes, the organ trafficking. that I'm not allowed to share, but it's very, mm-hmm. very dangerous stuff. Um, and, and what we have learned more and more is that drug trafficking has been lucrative and a lot of resources are put into it, but the traffickers are turning to humans because they use them over and over again. Right. For labor or for sex, and then they take their organs. Oh, it's really dangerous thing. So the main defense we have is for people to be aware and to report. We need effective reporting, and that's why we're developing the app, and then for people to be motivated to share it if they see anything unusual. Yeah. How do we overcome this This um, sense of, well, we've already been trained, um, you know, law enforcement to to get them to be receptive to to have a, a supplemental training. Right. Well, there's no funding for it right now. We are. That's what we're talking to Congress about. Uh, there needs to be increased funding. No question. And there also, even though we got the FAA reauthorization passed last year, which mandates the training of flight attendants, it doesn't say how they're trained. So most of the airlines think that they're being compliant by sending out a link to an online training, which is not effective. What's effective is to bring in a survivor. (laughs) That's what really rivets people emotionally. The human story. Yeah, Yeah, the human story. The stories, and that's what our training does. It talks about all the stories. Absolutely. Well, Nancy, I've just been I've just been notified that Martine is back with us. Can we welcome her? Yeah. Hey, yes, I am here. Oh, oh my God! I'm sorry, I tried getting on. How are you? How is everyone? <laughs> hey, it's nice to have you. We have about 12 minutes left of our show, and we want to welcome you. We're you know better late than never, as we say. Thank you. Thank we, you. I we, kept trying. You kept trying? Oh, I'm sorry. Well, we've we've heard so much about, you know, the wonderful human trafficking initiative, and Nancy has given us so many, um, you know, inspiring true accounts and your goals. But we, I really do um, 
want you to, to tell us about the humanitarian program that you had. So would you kindly do that? Yeah, I'm yes, 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 yes. Tell them, explain how you got started. Yeah, well, okay. Well, um, I uh, I started in the humanitarian area when um, my brother actually got me involved in it. He uh, had gone to Haiti. He had come back to Haiti after being absent for about 35 years. And when he got to Haiti, the country that he left is not what he found. He found it in degradation. And he was really taken by heart to see how many thousands of children were on the street um, and they were so destitute, no education, did not have a way of getting to school, and it was just horrific for him. And uh, so he was a computer, uh, a Cisco certified computer engineer, and he started by writing uh, programs and develop, developing programs and softwares that would enable these children to be able to get an education, be educated. And that's wow. how we started our organization. Unfortunately, um, he did not have a chance to really bring it to fruition because he died during the earthquake uh, in Haiti oh. in 2010. <laughs> I'm so sorry. So you took over his legacy, in other words? I took over, yes. I took over his legacy. Um, we have uh, a children's home in Haiti. We're currently housing 18 children that range from four months old. Uh, our oldest is 25. She's in, uh, she's in nursing school right now. And it's just, um, you know, doing humanitarian work is a necessity. It's, it's a preventive measure for, you know, even for things as so, such as human trafficking because you have a lot of children and families that are destitute, and if we don't provide support for them, then they tend to, you know, sell their children, give up their children, or allow their children to be uh, subject to being trafficked. Yeah. Some, some sometimes, you know, if if a child, I mean, granted, human trafficking happens at any time, anywhere, and no one is really exempt. It's it's just becoming a horrific industry, making billions of dollars that we must eradicate. Um, but so so, what are the nuts and bolts of your 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 program, and and what makes it? You know, it's part and parcel of airline and ambassadors as part of the program. How does it, how does it fit in into that? Well, actually, it is a program of airline ambassadors, and oh, what we okay. do right. is we provide we provide aid to children and families all over the world. We provide medical escorts um, for children in need of medical intervention. Um, we go uh, we either pick up or drop the children all over the world into the United States uh, for them to receive medical care and then bring them back home. Um, we also uh, adopt projects in different parts of the world, the Philippines, Nepal, um, Guatemala, Peru, Haiti, Dominican Republic. And what we do is not only provide aid and bring volunteers to help either with an orphanage or a clinic or school and we support these projects 
and we also now developing sustainable projects where these families and children, they're able to sustain life, have a sustained life, and they don't have to really be 100% dependent on outside help. So we want to be able to leave something with them and not just bring them, you know, the clothing and the toys, which they always welcome, but also have right. something for them to be able to be pride of, pride, proud of their lives and not to be so dependent, but to become self-sufficient. And do you follow these cases in terms of, uh, of like a long, longitudinal, I'm not, not, a lot, not a study per se, but do you, are you just there to fulfill the short-term need and then you're kind of out of it and on to the next kind of no, thing, or no. do you stay in touch? No, we're there for the long haul. We develop a relationship with these people, with the, uh, uh, with the projects that we have. Um, we have an orphanage in the Philippines that we've been, oh, we've had them for how long, Nancy? It's uh, been like 10, 12 years. Yeah. 12 years. We have all the children sponsored at that orphanage. All yes. children sponsored. Is that right? You know, wow. Yeah, yeah Haiti's and, been eight years, and so it's a long-term relationship. Right. that we have with the project. And, and how many do you have for, uh, Okay, that's that's great. How many uh, on on average do you have per per uh, or uh, the each orphanage because I remember hearing in China there's like so many and they're overloaded in their, you know, orphanages in terms of female children because they're not wanted. It, does that compare in terms of are you just the volume of of children is just like incredible? Well, um, fortunately for us, we have been dealing with orphanages that are more like children's homes than they are institutional orphanages. Um, In uh, the Philippines, I believe they have about 50 children. Um, In Haiti, it's 18 children. So it's not your regular institutionalized um, orphanages. They're more children's home where these children consider the the, the, their caregivers or the people that are, are are there in the orphanage responsible for so, the orphanage, their their family. Private home or like are any of them like a small group? What we would consider like a small group home, or they're all private homes. They're all private homes. Um, they are all private homes, and the uh, the one in Haiti is a small. It's a small a small home. Mm-hmm. So I only average about eighteen to twenty children. I see. And so we make they, a long-term we, commitment to projects and, and make sure we, we make a difference. So we, it's not just kids we go and help. It's kids we have their pictures in our pocket. We know their names Correct. and personalities. Yeah. And they call us aunties and uncles. Yeah, they call us aunties, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we so, become part of their family. Is is there like a huge demand for this, and there's like you know eligibility criteria and an intake process and all of that? Or, I mean, how – is it how how large is the need is the need in in terms of what we're talking about? Well, you know the need is very large. Um, <laughs> unfortunately, we're not God and we cannot, you know, right. fulfill all the needs. But their needs is extremely large. I mean, it's it's sometimes overwhelming. Uh, what we do is we we go, we assess uh, the 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 project. We assess the needs. Um, we see where where what is needed the most. Where can we more effectively help? 
and then we decide whether we're going to be able to take on this project because it's not just as you you know alluded before it's not just going there and uh, bringing, bringing volunteers and bringing clothes and bringing toys and then walking out but it's yep. really being a, a support you know to this uh, project to right. the and office, by focusing the and by focusing on a few few projects we also give travelers a chance to travel and have a positive experience because we know we have a long-term commitment to these children and they can get to know them too and then i mean there's so much need out there all we can do is take somewhere we think we can make a difference and start working it that's what we're doing now and then it's nice to see the child grow when you look mm-hmm. at a child and you saw you were with the child, you saw when the child was seven years old, now the child is, is, is you know, 17, and you've seen the growth and you've seen the, the, the improvements that we were able to come in and help make. Yeah, that must be so heartwarming to be able to do that. And is it, is it true then that all donations that come into airline ambassadors, are they kind of divvied up among the various programs, or do you have... You know, I mean, you're saying you need people to donate. Yes. Is that how it works? So, yeah, yes. like, for example, for the fundraiser, the the donations that come in for that will be divvied up between the three programs. Yeah, we need we need funding, and each mission coordinator highlights, like, hey, uh, Martine is leading an art day celebration. What? You're leaving next week? This week? It's next week, yes. Yeah. <laughs> And she not only is involving her 17 orphans that she single-handedly supports, but she's benefiting well over 100 children on that. Wow. That's, yeah. that's just amazing. So the money will go directly to the programs that we, that we raise. Yeah. yeah. The Art Day Celebration is an art program. It's a creative art program where we facilitate art. And usually we have about 150 children every year. Um, um, and we uh, provide quality artistic workshops to them, bringing in artists from the United States and from all over the world, I would say, and bringing them to Haiti and um, partnering them with local artists to be able to teach these children different art forms, different art techniques, this year, what we are having a choreographer uh, come down and teaching them, you know, uh, dance choreography. We, they are going to be doing, uh, learning how to make T-shirts. And so we do that, and um, then we come back and we bring the art, the, we select the best art, and we bring them back. We do fundraisers, and the money that is generated from the sale of the artwork goes right back to the child. We require that we keep 20%, we give them 80%, and we require that out of the 80% that the, that the, uh, the home gets, then they are required to give half of that to the child. We want that child to have that money in their hands because I've seen it firsthand, the reaction of that child to know that they can make a living. That just brings sprouts in that child, and it, it gives them, oh, my gosh, I do have a future. There is something that I can do. I can create whatever it is that I, can, that I put my mind to, I actually mm-hmm. can accomplish. And that does so much to just, yeah. you know, build in that self-confidence in that child to know that they can be productive and don't have to stay where they are. 
Absolutely. Well, well, it's it, it's so inspiring, and I'm so sorry to tell you that our our hour is winding is fast <laughs> winding down here. I wish you were able to get in a little bit earlier, but perhaps we can do Nancy and and Martine. Perhaps we can do a follow up show, particularly okay. and, and we'll connect you with those resources. Uh, um, so can you give other the, the contact information and, again, so that if people want to get in touch with you for presentations and donations, yes. it's there, and we will connect you with the people that we know as well. Yes. Okay. So the, the website is www.airlineamb.org, and um, you can become a member from there, and you can donate, and you can learn all about our programs, about the missions that are going out each month, and you could jump on the Haiti Art Day celebration if there's time. <laughs> and um, there's lots of, um, uh, of exciting opportunities, and we invite everyone to get involved and uh, participate with our work. Well, this is so important, and I, I, I want to be able to stay in touch with, with both of you, and, and we'll do whatever we can to assist, okay? Thanks, well, thank Donna. you so much, Donna. Right. Appreciate well, you. thank you, and be sure to take the show and share it with your compadres so that we can help you in the future. So, uh, Delilah, do you have a parting word? Well, I'd just love to thank both of our guests for coming on and giving your time to um, get this information out to the public. It, it's very important, and the and the the mission that you're on is also very important, and we thank you for that. Yes, it's very all about much. Helping so. children. Thanks so yeah. much. You guys well, for thank us you on. both of you. Thank you so much. You're, you're for the welcome, and, and be in touch. Then, so we're gonna we're gonna wind down now for this edition of Shattered Lives, and be sure to um, stay tuned for next week for another unique and fascinating show. Thank you um, to both my guests. Thank you, Lila. Thank and you. Have a good weekend. Thanks, Bye-bye. Thanks everyone.